Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. This podcast is all about celebrating and developing more exceptional leadership, servant leadership, the impact that it has on organizations. The research continues to show just how critical great leadership is to the health of organizations. 83% of companies say developing leaders is important, but at the same time, 77% of organizations believe that there's a leadership gap. And when you look at human resources leaders that are responsible for working with their business partners to fill that leadership pipeline, 11% of HR leaders, that's it, 11% feel that they have a strong bench to fill those gaps. So there is a gap. This is an important issue. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation today with someone who is all about developing exceptional leaders. Maureen Valvey is a leadership coach and consultant. She works with high potential advertising and marketing leaders who want to lead with greater purpose, influence, and effectiveness. Prior to going into her leadership coaching practice, Maureen had a dynamic and and very successful 25-year career in advertising. She worked at very large, highly visible agencies, McCann, Saatchi and Saatchi, Gray, and really worked with her clients in driving more demand, driving more brand impact. And so we're going to dive in a little bit about this transition that Maureen has made from the advertising world into coaching and the kind of impact and why this really matters. Maureen, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Ah, Dan, I'm so happy to be here, especially because the face of leadership is changing. Thank you for having me. Oh, it certainly is. So Let's go back because you you had this career, you were very successful uh, in the advertising world, but what sparked your passion to make this transition and really devote yourself to leadership development? Yeah, a great question. So much of it was natural. I am naturally curious about that person over there that everybody wants to work with and for. How did they do that? Um, people that are magnetic, I don't mean charm, but there are certain people across our career that we just are drawn to and we can't wait to do the work with them, even when, or especially when it's challenging. And so I just started watching followership and Mm -hmm. people that people want to follow. And I thought, you know what? I want more of that. I want to help leaders get out of their own way so they can be that person because it's incredibly fulfilling. And I now get to devote myself and my work um, to helping other leaders unleash their potential and be that person that everybody wants to solve challenges with. And I get to do that now as a coach and a trainer and a speaker, and it is wildly fulfilling. How special is that to be able to pursue that true passion? And as you were talking, I was thinking, this is really about each and every one of us. It's like there's this thing inside of us that the potential is just there. It just needs to be developed, right? Or, or to be focused on, but we all have the potential, right? To assume and, and deliver great leadership. Yes. Yeah. And, but I, but I also would say 
I think what we're finding is that it's really not for everyone. More people signed up for it when you got to just tell people what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And now that it's changed, and I'm sure we'll get into a great discussion around that, um, but I I think more so than ever before, it's a calling. So yes, we can develop it, absolutely. But I think um, the best leaders are ones that get a kick out of seeing the growth and development and are really curious about how do I tap into that? with my employees? Um, How do I get really curious about the conditions they need to do their best work? Um, And I would say it is only more recently that we're even starting to ask that question. That's for sure. And of course, we're in really high change environment today. There's so many things going on in the world uh, can be uh, very volatile uh, out there. What are some of the things that makes delivering exceptional leadership today maybe much more harder than even 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, I I think it's the shift that, of course, um, you're seeing, we're seeing as well, which is employees are empowered now. I mean, it's kind of, it's very similar to how I was raised and how parenting has changed. I used to ask my mom, why do I have to do this thing? And she'd say, because I said so. And I think leadership was like that as well, as we just kind of told people what to do. We grew into this position and just told everyone what to do. What's changed um, is that employees now are saying what they need to do their best work. And a lot of leaders are freaked out by that, right? Like, oh, what? Why, why can't I lead the way someone used to lead me? But it's a really huh. good thing if we'll only listen. We now wonderfully have employees that are telling us what they need. And if we'll only listen, we will get amazing work out of them in a way that a top-down leader, someone who's telling people what to do, manage by control, you're never going to get. So it has changed. I suppose it's harder, but I would argue it's better. Yeah, it's interesting. Just I was thinking about my own career arc and going back uh, when I started my professional career, let's say 35 years ago, it seemed it was so much more around corporate gratitude, gratitude to the corporation for giving mm-hmm. me this opportunity. And maybe I can forge a long-term career with this one company. And then now we know that the workforce of today, much more transitory, high expectations in terms of um, values alignment and expectations of leadership. And if that's not present, there isn't a patience um, or an automatic gratitude. Uh, Good employees will move on, right? And and Mm -hmm. so there's a cost to not delivering that. Yes, absolutely. And you know, you just made me think of something else as well. Another big change is the pace of change. And, you know, Justin Trudeau says the pace of change will never be as slow as it is today. It's only going to get, it's only going to increase. And so what I find in that, what's different and perhaps more challenging um, is we're doing so much more training now around agility, uh, change management, um, mindset work. Right. If you know that it's going to that change is going to keep coming, how do we deal with that in a really constructive way? How do we be that kind of leader that has that steadiness that everyone else isn't kind of freaking out when challenges get big? So the pace of change is another thing that as leaders, it's just a superpower and an essential skill that we are invited to get really good at. Mm -hmm. Now, a few minutes ago, you said the reality is that leadership may not be for everyone. And there's this experience, there's this transition. So if you've been a very successful individual contributor and often happens, and then you're rewarded with the opportunity to lead people for the first time, what do you see out there as maybe some of the common mistakes that a first time people leader is going to make? 
Yeah, I um, I think the I think the biggest thing I'm seeing in the people that I work with is when you first get there, right? Is you're you're in this proving mindset, so you're thinking of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> and you're maybe at best thinking of the golden rule that we all learned as children: do unto others as you would have done unto you. But that's not the game. What you start to learn very quickly is the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would have done unto them. And so across the leadership journey, the maturity of a leader is realizing that it's all about the we, not the me. And you talk about servant leadership. There's another orientation in that that I love. Um, But if you cannot conjure up that generosity of spirit, if you don't get a kick out of watching people grow, if your insecurities, which we all have, but if your wobbliness, if your own worry about your own worth um, or contribution is so loud in your head, you're never going to be able to think about the people around you. And I'm not saying you you can't lead, but you're definitely going to need some help. Yeah. And, and that really speaks to being vulnerable and being able to show that vulnerability. And it's okay to show that and to admit that you may not have all the answers. I think when you first move into that kind of a role, there might be this tendency to think that your people expect you to always come with the answer as opposed to saying, you know what, I'm probably going to have some people and surround myself with people even smarter than me that are going to help get to the solutions that I and myself can't do my on my own. So you're right. It's just, but it's sometimes feels awkward to show that vulnerability. Yeah. And, and that vulnerability is one of the biggest changes in leadership. We were raised that it was the loudest person in the room. That's the person who has the power, the one who comes with the answer. And we're <laughs> learning that the smartest person in the room might be the person who is strategically listening to the conversation. And then at the end or at the, at the point where people need them to, they speak up. Um, but vulnerability is how trust is built, saying, I don't know yet what we're going to find out is really powerful. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Now something that you said that really hit home for me, you you've spoken about leadership aim for progress, not perfection. Can you share a little bit more about that? Mm, um, yeah. <laughs> when, when, and so many of high achievers have this brief in front of them, could be subconscious that I have to be perfect. I have to get it right. And what bums me out about that is that you're never going to get there. There is no perfect. If you put a dot in the middle of a sheet of paper and you got one of those compass things from fifth grade math and drew that circle around it and you got a massive magnifying glass and zoomed in, the dot's not in the center. So you're chasing something that's exhausting. You're chasing something that's going to rob you of that other orientation. You're also going to freak out the people around you. Because if that's your vibe, if that's your energy, other people are going to pick up on that and they move into self-protection mode. It suddenly isn't okay to fail or make a mistake, which, oh my God, that is how we learn. Um, That's how we learn. So you rob yourself and others of so many opportunities if you think that perfect is the goal because you're never going to get there. There's no such thing. And you miss all the goodies that come from progress and from learning. Yeah, another way of uh, looking at it, and actually in my book, The the Impact Makers, I, I use the analogy, Maureen, I went on a, a personal mission 
Uh, it was called the push-up challenge. And uh, over time to say, build my fitness up and uh, with the goal of ult- ultimately getting to this uh, 60-second, gone in 60-second challenge, right, which is maximum push-ups in 60 seconds. I didn't get there in just starting to max out at 60 seconds. What I did working with my trainer was every week adding an incremental second to a training session. So you start at 20 seconds, 21 seconds, 22 seconds, and you do that over one week's time, like each increment. And so it was the power of small incremental gains, which gets you to the ultimate goal rather than just being fixated on wanting to immediately hit that uh, epic, perfect conclusion right out of the gate. And so it's a journey and being able to, with your team, uh, just cherish the journey and celebrate the small incremental uh, and consistent gains. It's interesting how that works, right? It's just so much more powerful when you can stop and look at it in that way. Yeah, I have chills. That's so good. I'm going to steal some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Incremental change, progress over time. And to give ourselves on that note, the same compassion that you would a child. Think about when a kid rides their bike for the first time. Do they just go? No, they fall a lot. Child learning how to walk, same thing. But suddenly, because we're taller, we don't give ourselves the compassion when we're doing something for the first time. Um, I had a participant in a training recently who said that they look at, um, we were talking about, it's a session that we run on failing brilliantly. And he said, when I were, when my team and I are doing something for the first time, we just call it our first attempt at success. And I thought breaking it down that way as if to say, we're going to make incremental change is brilliant. So I love that. Yeah. Excellent. Definitely. And we've alluded to, I love the we uh, focus instead of the me focus. And we've talked about servant leadership, but I know that's something you are passionate about. Can can you dive in a little bit from your perspective where the servant leader mindset comes into play in terms of really being able to be exceptional in, in building up your team and getting higher levels of performance? Yeah. Um, and I'm passionate about it in two ways. Uh, the The first one is what does it take to be that kind of leader, that other-oriented leader? And I, th- I believe in the uh, however many, right, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people I've worked with, cultivating confidence is the differentiator. Getting that you're not perfect. Um, I don't think that we can lead with that other orientation if we're worried about ourselves. And we all have imposter syndrome. What did Harvard Business Review said? 70% of us experienced it at some point in our career. That's fine. That's normal. But if you can cultivate confidence, then you can see beyond the nose on your face. So, and I think it's important for the for where we started this conversation. People are waiting to be, right? They're wanting to be empowered. They want you to see them. They want to know that they matter. They want to be heard more so than ever before. So it's critical in unleashing potential that we adopt that kind of leadership. But the other reason I'm passionate about it, Dan, is the step that happens before servant leadership, which is self-care. I want people to be leading with that other orientation from a place of abundance, not depletion. Mm -hmm. And I quote my mom a lot because she's a therapist and she's wicked smart. Um, But she says, if you're not full, you have nothing to give. And I see a lot of leaders, because of the pace of change, because of the belief that we need to be perfect, they're hustling, they're hustling, right? And they're, they're, they, they got the memo, okay, I'm supposed to take care of these people and give them my time and 
schedule these one-on-ones and ask them what they need and have some empathy and blah, 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 blah. But if you haven't taken care of yourself first, it's not sustainable and you're going to break. And I work with a lot of leaders that are stressed out or burnt out. Um, One who her stress became so profound, her body shut down and she had to learn how to walk again. So that's not servant leadership, right? So we have to make sure, I invite people to make sure that at least once a day, you leaders out there that are wonderfully responsible for these other people, is to ask yourself, how am I doing and what do I need? And then tend to that before you go lead these wonderful humans. You are so spot on with that. In fact, I recently led a team session. And as part of that, I asked the question, what more can Dan do to better support you as your leader? And so this was confidential feedback. And Maureen, one of the, one of the responses was uh, in terms of how I could better support them was make sure that you're allowing for enough Dan time time. So this was from a team member who mm. recognized that Dan, you know, don't burn yourself out, you know, in terms of really yeah. being there for us and all that. And so it was like a great reminder, wake up call to say, you know, that is exactly true, which is if we don't, don't take care of ourselves first, uh, we're going to burn out and we're not going to be of use or value to anyone else, even trying to put others first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Now, we all um, are working within a particular culture. If we're in a large organization, small, maybe you're an entrepreneur that's building a business and then you're helping define what that culture is. But I know in talking to business leaders on this podcast in the book, one of the hardest things they say that they have ever had to do is develop and sustain a truly healthy culture. It's very, very challenging. What do you think are some of the keys to making that happen? Yeah, um, because it's so important. The consistency, for sure. Um, People learn things in that wonderful book by James Clear, Atomic Habits, but we are creatures of habit. So what is the habit that you're building? What is the consistency? What is the, you know, do people see that time and time again, you show up a certain way or not? Um, But I think one of the, one of the biggest things is closing the say-do gap. Because I work with a lot of companies that say our culture is collaborative and then it isn't. <laughs> or <laughs> our culture is one about, uh, what would you even say? Progress, let's say, say progress, not perfection. But when someone makes a mistake, there's finger pointing. People get the message real fast that you didn't actually mean that thing. And so I think closing the say-do gap, consistency. Um, and then I also think accountability. Like, how cool would it be if you say, uh, we're a culture of progress, not perfection, or a culture that fails brilliantly, meaning we learn from it. And then you ask your employees, maybe it's an anonymous survey monkey, however you do it, it doesn't matter. How are we doing against that KPI, that culture KPI? Is that your experience here at this company, right? That we practice progress, not perfection, or we're collaborative or whatever, but get feedback on it. There's a, a company that I worked with that um, they, they, they got the memo and they said, oh, we need to take care of our people. And so they created a meditation room. And I thought it was so interesting that every time I was there, it was empty as if to say, don't you dare yeah. stop your work and go in there. So it's like, you, you, if you're going to build the room, right? <laughs> 
make sure that your top leaders are in there, (laughs) you know, make sure that you're normalizing that thing, encourage it, and then ask for feedback on to what degree is this culture felt for you? And what is one thing, if anything, we could do better? That's brave leadership. That's a healthy culture. Yeah. You mentioned the say do gap. And what I've observed is that, you know, senior leaders put so much energy and effort into thinking about crafting maybe team or organizational communications. What what goes mm-hmm. into that email update? And I'm sure, you know, sometimes they have, you know, communications uh, team members that are working with them, right? Just to craft and almost focus on every word. Am I getting this right in the communication? Or if it's a presentation, maybe a town hall, but yet employees are so perceptive, right? And they're looking for the behavior that matches the words. Right. You put as much energy and focus into really uh, being truly honest with themselves and evaluating our behaviors, mm-hmm. not just the words. That's the magic, right? Because they're going to be looking for you to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Uh, and if you, it's interesting when you think about it, it's so simple. <laughs> Do what you said you were going to do. Be who you said you want to be. Uh, be. Show show evidence of the culture that you just said you wanted to have. Yes. Excellent. So good. And and the bravery that you talk about, mm. one part of that is having the courage to actually ask the question and ask for the open, candid feedback. How am I doing? How are we doing? Because that can be tough, right? To get constructive feedback. Yes, it is. And I, I think a lot about feedback. I'm very, very passionate on that topic because you know what's harder? Walking around not knowing how you're doing. <laughs> so so I think most leaders, when you've actually seen like, yeah, I guess I'd rather know. Um, because the not knowing makes people really wobbly. And my most brave uh, leaders that I work with ask often, how am I doing by you? And it's about listening, right? So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a role of leadership, which is communicate, inspire, motivate, but also truly listening to what is really important for your employees, what their feedback is on back to the say and do. And it is really hard. It can be intimidating because I think sometimes we create narratives in our mind in terms of our perception of how things are going or or boy, it sure seemed like the team really responded, you know, to that conversation. And so we can kind of invent and almost create these narratives in our mind about kind of how we think it is. And then there's the reality of, well, and if I go and ask them, I'm probably going to hear something maybe that's a little different than that. Right. Right. Um, and and wouldn't you rather know? <laughs> wouldn't you rather know? But yes, you're right. It takes bravery, but I'm going to go back to what um, I had mentioned earlier, which is it's about that confidence. If you really know that you're not perfect, then you're not going to be freaked out when you find out that that's true today. You said something and I didn't necessarily see you follow it up. Then you go, oh, great. Thanks for the feedback. I'll work on it. Um, yeah. 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 Makes a lot of sense. So Maureen, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? It was said to me differently than this. Um but it was an invitation to through feedback to me that was to be better than busy um, to that. You know, I had a tendency when people came to me to, to not really give them my time 
Um, and I was walking quickly through the halls, you know, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. And he invited me to look at the perception and what that did to my reputation, what it did to other people's belief that I actually cared about them and what it did to the impression of whether or not I had my act together. Sometimes I use a different word, um, but <laughs> is in my busyness. I probably looked like I wasn't necessarily in control. I wasn't practicing what McKinsey calls deliberate calm. It maybe made other people feel insecure, but it definitely telegraphed to them when I didn't put down whatever device was in front of me or make time for them that they didn't matter. And the most important thing to me is to make sure people know that they do. So it was to be better than busy. Yeah, that's a good one. It's even more profound, I think, today where we're working virtually so much more. We're on these... uh, video calls, you know, collaborative calls and this emerging issue, right? I think you can relate to this, Maureen, which is uh, I think some people are multitasking, right? It's hard to mask that. You may think that you can mask it, but you can tell. And so I think even when you're in a virtual setting where it becomes maybe more tempting, easy, oh, I'll just check on some email, you know, during this conversation, that can really have a negative impact too. If you're not really there in the moment, And as a leader, you know, really being engaged and focused in the moment. Yeah. And if you can't be, just raise your hand and say, you know what? I would love to give you my full attention right now, but I'm in the middle of deep work on behalf of whatever the thing is, or I have a commitment. Could you come back at three? So I don't always mean that we're supposed to just drop everything. There may be something important that you're working on. Um, But they, you know, they did a study. uh, I think it was also Harvard Business Review. They did a study of people that were just out to dinner together. And if you simply had your phone out, even if it was face down on the dinner table, the person opposite you felt like they mattered less, like they weren't important and weren't worthy of your time. So (laughs) when your device is down, give people your attention or at least ask the question, when can I do that? Because I know it's really important to that other person. Yeah. Well, when you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? (laughs) I just... The very thing that terrifies a lot of people. Um, I'm optimistic about Gen Z. I think we have a lot to learn from them. I um, hear a lot of older, you know, seasoned leaders like myself complaining and saying, who are these people and why don't they work like a dog like I used to? And and uh, just lots of what are they doing taking Friday off? Whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, and I think they, that if we just get curious instead of certain about what this gener- this up and coming generation is all about, that we might learn something, that maybe the way that we worked isn't the best way. Um, and, and that if we all assume, because it's true, that people want to hold themselves accountable, nobody likes to drop the ball. We want The things that are true about humans are still true. I don't care about the generation. We want to master stuff with a backdrop of trust and safety from our boss. We want to try things. We want to accomplish things. That feels good. Doing what we said we were going to do feels good. So if you start with that premise, then we're just looking for a new way to tap into that with this next generation around a way that works for them. They've got boundaries, right? They're a little more self-aware, at least right? they're asking the questions. So maybe there's something to be learned from that. And in many, many ways, work is broken. I'm working to fix it, along with wonderful people like you and this awesome podcast, right? Working to fix it. Um, but people going on vacation to recover is not why they're there. I used to go to play or enjoy or maybe relax, a little bit of rest, of course. Um, but the way we work is broken. So maybe the up and coming generation can help us fix it in a way that's sustainable and healthy 
and drives even greater results. It's interesting. I think there's this very much this generational mindset uh, differential because you go back, you know, back to again, a couple of decades ago where a lot of us, I mean, we felt that, oh, somehow staying connected or checking in on our vacation, that that was a virtue, that that, that that was a sign of loyalty mm-hmm. to the organization. And now the mindset, it's like, what are you crazy? What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> it's like balance uh, vacation, protect uh, and the sanctity of that vacation time. Um, and, and it's non-virtuous to be right. checking and it sends the wrong message. So there's been this entire flip-flop of mindset around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> uh, for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. as we start winding down the conversation, Maureen, do you have any other final advice for leaders that are looking to deliver excellence and elevate their teams and, and really not just be good enough, but go to the next level? Yeah. Um, I think in order to deliver excellence, you want to set the standard. Right? So there are a lot of people out there that, that lead from a place of nice, and which is nice, but no one ever grows. Set the standard and deliver the safety. So it's standard safety, standard safety. Have people reach. They're never going to give you that 20% that they hold back in reserve unless you make it safe to do so, unless you normalize mistakes and learning. There's no way you're going to get that. So if excellence is important to you, you got to deliver the second half of that package, which is um, psychological safety in the workplace. And um, yeah. You know, and and that real, where we started, the other orientation of saying to people, I'm your boss, whatever that means, right? Because I'm, I'm here to get the best work out of you. And I don't want to wonder what that is. What do you need from me to deliver excellence? And then the person can tell you, and they will, right? I need to know that it's okay to try stuff. I need to meet with you once a week. I need to know that you give me your full attention. I want feedback in real time. People will tell you, <laughs> uh, but we don't often ask. So if you want to deliver excellence, uh, do a lot more asking than telling and um, make sure you telegraph safety to try things and your innovation, your creativity results, excellence will be off the chart. And again, you know, as a leader, when you show the vulnerability, that translates into a safety environment too, because when you're revealing, you're being very open, you're being very accountable. It's like, look, I've messed up a lot too. And I've taken this learning. And when you set the tone, it's amazing that level of safety. If you're doing that in a group setting, it just goes through the roof, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And we, um, I'll just give you an example of that. But Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Spanx, has oops meetings where she owns her oops. Some of the real bosses <laughs> call them belly flops. But I'm so glad you mentioned that the vulnerability of saying, oops, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so powerful. It is. Well, Maureen, thanks again for joining and really giving us some really sound and timely advice on how we can truly be the leaders we all can be and elevate the performance of our teams. Yeah, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dan. And a reminder, please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. You can go out, rate and review. It's very easy to do on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And as always, Make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.